Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Thank you for that warm welcome. Um, You guys are all going to have to give Gary a pat on the back or a hug later because he is, I'm giving him a run for his money on the computer back there with slides. I'm not used to doing slides, so um, uh, he's doing a great job. So thank you for that, Gary. Let's pray um, first because we don't want to forget that. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, you are alive, you are breathing, you love us. Lord, nothing catches you by surprise. Lord, we're not always lovable, Lord, but yet you choose to love us. And Lord, we're so grateful for that. Lord, I thank you for this body of Christ here. I thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, my wife and I selfishly, Lord, we thank you for the, the love they extend to our daughter, Lord, our grandchildren. And Lord, just what a sweet home this is. So, Lord, as we dig into the life of David, Lord, a man after your own heart, Lord, beloved, uh, Lord, um, as many things are recorded of his life, Lord, good and bad, and as we can learn from them, Lord, we pray that you would, um, Lord, make your word alive and powerful today as only you can, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Sophia, I call her Sophia a lot. Sophie is our uh, oldest daughter, and um, I didn't, I was a little bit more nervous first service, but second service, you guys, you don't mind a story about Sophie, do you? (laughs) She's not in here either. Um, Sophie is, if you know her, Sophie is always full of energy. She's always excited. She's happy to talk to anybody. She will walk up to complete strangers and ask them their name, ask them how they're doing. She has done that since the moment she could speak. Um, and, uh, but one thing about Sophie is that Sophie could, is the, one of our only children that could wake up earliest in the morning and with the happiest disposition ever. Uh, she would leap out of bed, uh, five o'clock in the morning, four 30 in the morning, five 30, random, very early times. And for you young parents that have children at home, you know, now I would welcome that because I'm up that early, but then we were just struggling to try to get through each day and the, 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 the difficulty and the, the laborious uh, effort that it is. Um, but one time we had to make a rule because she would come in our room early and we're like, okay, we need to stop this. Um, so we made a rule that she could not come get up before the sun was up. Um, that was the rule. Uh, and I don't remember the exact time it was, but I think it was a Saturday morning because I, we were, we were kind of half awake. And, and we hear this very distant, subtle cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> and we're looking, and I, and I look at Susie, my beautiful wife, and I'm like, and we look at each other kind of puzzled, and then we kind of grin. Uh, and we get up and we go to the, we, to, we had told Sophie we were going to lock the bedroom door. We didn't, but um, that was a little, one of those little lies that you say. Uh, we told her we were going to lock the door. We opened the bedroom door and there she is sitting in the hall with a dozen books spread around her. Uh, and she said, good morning, the sun's up. 
Um, and uh, that is Sophie, uh, and we are so blessed. I have to tell you, we are so incredibly blessed um, to see uh, Sophie thrive here, to see Lucy and Andrew and uh, Theo, uh, Laura, to, to just to know that they are home, that this is a place that loves them and cares for them and lets them uh, share in their gifts. So thank you for that. That gives uh, my wife and I incredible peace, and we um, often pray for our children and pray for you guys. Um, and we're just um, so grateful. We have four wonderful children. Um, I have a son that serves as a pastor in Northern California, a daughter in Texas who is married to a police officer in Arlington, um, and then a young, our youngest is um, in State College. She's graduated from college a few years now, but she's serving in Navigators out at State College. Um, we would love to say that we did it all right and we knew what we were doing and, um, you know, we followed a three-step program and our children turned out wonderful. That's not at all the case. We did everything wrong and it was only by the grace of God and we can only give him credit for the way our children have turned out. So uh, if you're in that stage of life where you're not sure, um, keep giving them to the Lord. He is faithful. So uh, me. Uh, I am, so yes, I do all those things. Often when you're on staff at a church, you, you don't get just one role. You fill all kinds of roles. Um, but one of the biggest roles that I do currently is I am a crisis chaplain. And I, not everybody understands or knows what that means. And I, and I don't, I want to be careful because I don't want to traumatize anybody with what I do. And so I try not to share stories. Um, but um, I often, when someone asks me, I always tell them, well, you really don't want to meet me when I'm doing my job because it means something really bad has happened. Um, and um, so I am brought in. Uh, I work for, with, I'm, I'm on staff at, at Chester Springs, but I work with two police departments locally, uh, and they have the ability to call anytime, uh, day or night, uh, and ask for help. Um, sometimes it's fun and I mean, interesting, and other times it's very traumatic and tragic. Um, but we go um, and, and serve in that capacity uh, to the community. Uh, and then I also work with the county at the county level. I'm part of the SISM team, which is a crisis intervention and stress management team. Um, and that is countywide, and we get brought in when there have been um, difficult events like you folks um, recently, and that's how I came to meet um, David at a more personal level and, and work with uh, your pastor on uh, a recent crisis that you guys stepped up here uh, in your community. And um, kind of from the outside looking in, you guys really took to task and stepped up and, and did an incredible job representing the body of Christ and loving on the community and those that were affected by it. Um, with that, in an event like that, when that happens, there are all of the first responders, the people that run to those events um, and deal with them, um, it is very traumatic, as you can imagine, and they have to be their best. They have to do their job, and they have to do it carefully and, and very intentionally. And so afterwards, um, some amount of time, we um, can get them together uh, and do debriefings and, and things like that. And so I get to come in as the spiritual piece of a SISM team, and I get to talk about God. I get to pray with them. We pray, and um, every time we do a debriefing, um, uh, we were asked to pray. And if anybody wants to leave, they're welcome to leave. But so far, I've been doing this many years, and no one has ever gotten up and left, and no one has ever argued or, or given any, any grief about that. Um, but uh, and, and another great thing that's happening, I've noticed recently we have these 
incredible little Bibles that, um, that are for EMS, and they have pictures on them, and they're real. Um, if you're in first responder, EMS, police, law enforcement, or um, firefighting, um, they like bling. Um, and so it's got a badge and real, real, um, real cool diagrams and stuff on it. So I can't keep enough of those Bibles in stock. When I do uh, debriefings, I have fire chiefs and police chiefs saying, I'll take all the Bibles you can give me, uh, which is really awesome. Um, so that is in a nutshell what I do. Um, God has gifted me with that. I didn't set out. If you had asked me 25 years ago, if anybody wants to see, I have a great picture of Sophie when she's about one. Um, and uh, 25, 26 years ago, if you had said to me that I would be doing what I'm doing now, I would have laughed at you and said, you're crazy. Um, but God has called me into this and allowed me to go. And uh, I mean, it's not dozens. I have done hundreds and hundreds of events um, where um, God has brought me in and allowed me to be present. Um, I, I can tell you not every event has been, um, you know, praise God, people on their knees blessing the Lord, but I can tell you that every event that I have been involved in, God has been present, he has showed himself strong, uh, and he has been faithful. I cannot go into any of those events, anything that I do, I cannot go into it without a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Lord. Um, if I did, I would fall flat on my face, and I could, I mean, it would just be awful. So every time I get a call, every time um, I go, um, it is uh, a new, it's, it's like I've never been before. I can't go in and say, I know just what to do. I have to ask the Lord to, to lead me and guide me. I've been in it. many of the national events that you guys have seen on TV. Um, a couple, just to kind of qualify, uh, Sandy Hook. Um, the, up in Connecticut uh, a number of years ago. I was there. I was in the emergency operations center for eight days uh, immediately after that event, working with everyone involved. Um, Ferguson, the riots that were going on there. Uh, I was part of a team that was embedded in the Ferguson Police Department. Um, and um, Bat no, on and on and on. Um, and I tell you all this because um, in 1 Samuel, we're going to look at David's life. And I want to define, so... Gary, the, the uh, trauma slide. Um, trauma, it's a normal reaction to an abnormal event, okay? Let me say that again. Trauma is a normal reaction to an abnormal event. Now, everyone in this room has experienced trauma to some level or another, some worse than others. Um, the one thing that I had to learn very quickly and early on is one person's trauma may not be as traumatic to another person. So I can't define for you what, you, what is traumatic for you. But we can look at the um, outcome of it. We can look at the reaction and we can see uh, when someone has, is, is affected by trauma um, what they experience and how they represent it. And it usually is normal, but it's an abnormal event for them. Um, so with that, we have three components to it, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And we're going to look at those in the life of David in uh, Psalm 21. But first, I want to go to uh, Proverbs 3, and they'll bring up the slide for that. Um, this, is a, this is one of those, we all know this passage. And we all can easily, it's probably on t-shirts, um, right, maybe an index card. My wife is awesome at putting little index cards around the house uh, that, that lists different things. And it's funny how I never see them until one day 
uh, I read it, and it's so appropriate for that moment. But um, this passage, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not your head, not your eyes, not your ears, with your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I have to, when I go into these events, I have to apply this. I don't, I'm not going to give you this grandiose idea that I get my Bible and I read that passage, but I'm, I'm praying like Nehemiah when he was before the king, you know, he prayed immediately. I'm asking the Lord to guide me, but I have to trust the Lord in this. And I like to say that I would trust the Lord in everything that I do, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to confess to you, I'm as human and as normal as anybody in this room. And there are times where uh, I get an email or a text or a conversation, and I'm like, really? Really? Um, and then I have to stop and say, OK, hold on, Lord. Even preparing for this, I was sitting with my wife, and we were dealing with something. And I got to bring it up and kind of go, OK, Lord, I have to trust in you on this. Um, you know. And I said it through my teeth gritted. Um, but that said, um, I want to acknowledge that here in this room, um, as we go through this, there may be people that have experienced trauma very traumatic events, things that they're not even able to talk about. Um, and you might look at this passage that David's dealing with, and you might think, huh, David's got, I got, that's nothing. David isn't, what he's experiencing is nothing what I had to go through. Uh, and I want to recognize that my hope is not that that brings up or peels off a wound or a scab that um, digs into something that um, is going to affect you uh, and bring back um, bad memories. My hope is that we can look at this and see that there is help in Christ. Um, so David. I love King David. We love to look at David, um, and we love to think of you know, Goliath, David and Goliath, right? This young shepherd boy who shows up in this giant scene of a, a military uh, action where they're on each sides of the field, something maybe even like in, if you've ever seen Braveheart, right? Lots of warriors and shields and, and, and stomping of feet and things. And, and David comes in all innocent and, and just looking around and saying, what's going on? Um, and um, his brothers kind of give him a hard time. And, and David literally, when he hears what's going on, and you all know this story, you've just been through it recently, uh, literally without knowing the proverb, but says, huh, you guys don't know my, like, our God? He's nothing to our God. And David goes and he takes his slingshot and, and, and handles the situation. And he has this mountaintop experience, right? David is on top of the world where nothing can get in his way. Except I want to recognize that when you are on a mountaintop experience, there's often nowhere to go but down. Um, we see this many times. Moses is an example. Uh, Elijah and Mount Carmel um, does this incredible thing. And God does amazing um, with the sacrifice. The rocks disappear. And a day later, Elijah is running for his life. Um, and here we see David. David. <laughs> As we go through this, there's a couple things I want you to, to keep in mind. David has done nothing wrong, OK? David is not caught up in sin. 
So when you look around at someone in your life and you think, man, they're really struggling, they're really dealing with something, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes we want to say, oh, they must be doing something bad. It must be some action that they're not unconfessed, whatever. Um, David hasn't done anything wrong. David was anointed to be the future king of Israel. Saul takes him under his wing. He had been playing the harp for Saul when Saul was claiming madness. He turns around and he now is part of um, Saul's army. He's one of the captains of thousands of men. He's winning battles for Saul. He's married to one of Saul's daughters. It's really Saul that's the problem. Saul is the one causing all the trouble. And so now David, he's not even sure. I, uh, um, Pastor Dave, a couple weeks ago, mentioned it two times that they, he'd thrown a spear at him. David isn't even sure. He's not sure what, what's real and what's not. And so he confides in Jonathan, and Jonathan's like, you're crazy, David. Come on, my dad's not trying to kill you. <laughs> what did, you found out last week, David, <laughs> Jonathan turned around and Saul did the same thing to him. So David and Jonathan are in the field, and Jonathan is saying, you're right, you need to get out of here. And we're left last week in um, the end of chapter 20, where David, is, he's a, he, he leaves Jonathan, and he, he, he arises, he gets up, and he departs. A question for you at this moment would be, what would you counsel David to do if you were in that situation? If you were with David, if you were close to David, or if you were Jonathan, what would you tell David to do with fate, when he's facing what he's facing? I, I don't know the answer, but let's look and see in 21. We're going to read chapter 21. We're going to read 1 through 10. 1 through 9, sorry, 1 through 9. So keep in mind, discouraged, afraid, and in absolute crisis, David is running. And we know David is extremely fit. He's young. We believe he's about 20 years old, so he's not at all old. He's a young man. David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling. And he said to him, why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has charged me with a matter and said to me, let no one know, any, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. And I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have kept themselves from women, and David answered the priest, truly women have been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is in an ordinary journey. Now much more today will their vessels be holy. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. So it tells us there that this is the Sabbath day. Then David said to Ahimelech, then have you not a spear or a sword at hand 
for I have brought neither sword nor any weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said to the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. So David shows up at what is, he runs to the house of God. He runs to the Lord. At that time, that was the tabernacle. So we learn that when life is really hard, run to God. And that's exactly what David does. So when someone says to you, or if you're counseling someone, you can even take them to Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord, right? Lean not on your own understanding. Run to the house of the Lord. Today, that would be run to the church. Run to the body of Christ. We know David did it quickly. He was not slow. He didn't drag his feet. When life is hard, run to God. David lies at this point. This is a low point in David's life. He's dealing with, he needs, he's got um, physical, spiritual, and emotional needs. He first talks about the physical, I need some bread. Now, he talks about these men that are with him. There is no evidence that he took men with him. I don't know that it matters, but um, it seems that he is presenting a scene that is, un, that is not true. He's presenting a scenario to try to fake uh, the priest. We also learn that in the background is this Doeg. You will see him more next week in uh, 22. But Doeg is a bad, bad person, and David knows that. I wonder if David, and I don't know this, but I wonder if David showed up at the priest. The priest is scared to death, it tells us. He's trembling. And Doeg's there. I wonder if David realizes, uh-oh, maybe I did the wrong thing. And it shifts him into a process of not telling the truth and creating a story that's fabricated. So here's David saying, I'm on a special mission for King Saul. <laughs> Currently, King Saul's business is to kill David, ironically. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be at all. If Saul knew and was paying attention and aware of who God really is, he should have been taking David under his wing and, and repenting and asking the Lord for forgiveness. But here's David running for his life, running to the house of God. He is interrupted by this commotion and not sure what to do. He changes the subject by looking for some armor or some weapons. These weapons that he gives him turns out to be the, the, the exact sword that Goliath had. And it was the sword David took and, and beheaded Goliath with. It tells us previously that David took that sword and put it in his tent. I wonder, somehow it made it into the present, into this, maybe like a national archive or something. But here's David. When life is hard, we need to turn to God. Sometimes we need to run to him. Let's look at uh, the rest of the chapter. David rose in verse 10, and he fled that day from Saul. So he's continuing. He's still got the, the, his life in mind, fleeing from Saul. And he goes to Achish, the king of Gath. Who's that? 
You guys know? Do you remember? Gath is, that's Goliath's hometown. This is the king. So he runs, not only, he's running to the enemy, and, and there's some thought that David is thinking, we don't know for sure, but there's some thought that David is fleeing to go to Gath, to go into Philistine territory so that Saul won't chase him anymore. He figures, you know what, I'll take, this is the, the lesser of two evils. But he's, he's got Goliath's sword. Everybody would know that, right? I imagine that it doesn't probably fit him too well because Goliath was so big, but I don't know. He's got Goliath's sword. He shows up in Gath. They tell us, we learned from Psalm 56 that they captured David. He didn't just walk into town and talk, start walking around and talking to people. They, he gets to, to Gath and they capture him. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? They know. They're aware that he's the king, going to be king. Did they not sing to one another, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, and he pretended to be insane in their hands. And he made marks on the doors of the gate, and he let his spittle run down his beard. That is gross. I have a beard, and I'm constantly wiping, making sure there's nothing in it. And these men, at that time, your beard was everything. You would not, that, would, that was a sure sign something was wrong. Where do you think he learned that from? Do you remember what David was doing before this? He was playing the fiddle for Saul because Saul was losing his mind. I wonder, if, I wonder if David literally watched Saul go through something like this. And somehow, although I don't know it's a, the appropriate thing to do, but somehow it works. Behold, we see, you see this madman. Why have you brought him to me? This is what the king's saying. Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? You know, I would love, I'm really appreciative of the fact that there isn't a Bible with my name in it written of the times that I've done something wrong. I don't know about you guys, but we're sitting here and we're learning from David's mistakes, right? And I'm so, at the same time, I'm so grateful that we get to see this incredible man. He literally goes on to be the best human king Israel has ever seen. And yet we see him acting absolutely out of character. This is not how a king should act, right? If we were writing a movie about this, this is not how the script would go. I think it's important at this point to understand that this does not disqualify David. David goes on to do some pretty bad things. We're no, he's known for his sin with Bathsheba. He's known for killing her husband. And yet he's still known as beloved. He's still known as a man after God's own heart. That gives me hope. We do not have to divine our failures by our actions. 
He's not disqualified. David is still used by God. God knew. When God anointed David to be king, when he sent Samuel to anoint him, he knew these things were going to happen. He knows what's going on in our hearts. I say all of this, and I challenge all of you, as we sit here and as we look at this, and we have difficulties in our lives. I I was at the doctor for a physical a week or two ago, and it was interesting to me because I I don't like doctors. If you're a doctor, no offense. but they, they quickly, you know, they got their sheet and they're sitting over to the side and he's asking all these questions and he goes, uh, have you dealt with any depression in the last two weeks? And it kind of caught me off guard and I was like, no. But that got me thinking. You know, check, next box, okay. Have I dealt with anything difficult in the last two weeks? Have I struggled in my, in my mind with something? And the real answer is yes. And I think the real answer for all of us is yes. Now, I'm not sure we have to confess that to our doctors. I think we can take that to the Lord. And as we look at David, really at this extremely low point in his life, he's scratching at the door, he's drooling, he's crawling around like a madman. He's acting very much out of character. I would love to know. This is written. We, don't, we think it might be by Samuel. But we don't know. This is written as in, it's not in the first hand. David didn't write this. He's not sharing this. And wouldn't it be great if we could look at David's journal, if we could look at David's inner thoughts at this moment and see what really is going on in his mind? Well, if you turn, well, they're going to bring it up. Psalm 34 is exactly that. The the caption is of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and went away. Abimelech is a title. It's like Pharaoh. So Achish is really Abimelech, same thing. He changed his behavior before Abimelech. So David is written or coming up with the Psalm 30, this Psalm, Psalm 34, during this time in his life at a very low point. We all just sang wonderful worship. The team did an incredible job leading us in worship a little while ago. And we get to see David praise God. We're going to look at David choosing to praise God. It says in verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. We look at that and we think, okay, David clearly wasn't blessing the Lord when he was standing before um, the priest, right? He was lying. But David's reconnected. He's regrouped. He's like, okay, I have nowhere else to turn. When we're at the bottom, when we have nowhere else to turn, we can only go up. We can be on this mountaintop experience, and that's wonderful, and God will take us to mountaintop experiences. He tells us, Psalm 27, set our feet on a rock, right? But it isn't sometimes until we hit the lowest of points that we can see that we have to look up. And here is David, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He's crying out to God. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. He's proclaiming the wonderful blessings of God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. 
Then he delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried. That is, he's bringing himself to the level he's at. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. If you're here today, and in your inner self, you're crying, you're reaching out, he hears you. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. This is the same the angel that when Joshua crossed over the Jordan to go to Jericho, and he stops and he meets the man on the horse and gets down and Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And he said, neither, I'm the captain of the Lord's army. Same one. I'm reminded of in Elisha, I'm sorry, in, in Judges, Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha the prophet, the king of Syria is looking, he's trying to attack Israel, and every time he goes, they, they can't, he's very unsuccessful. So he starts getting paranoid, and he's saying, somebody's, do, somebody's telling, somebody in my own court's telling people, and they're, they're, there's a spy. And they're like, no, no, king, you don't understand. There's a prophet, Elijah, and he knows what you're doing all the time, and he warns them. So this king says, go and kill him. Where is he? And they said, well, he's in Dothan. Sends him to Dothan. He gets down there. There's Elisha. He's got a servant with him. I can just picture a little house down in a valley, a little stone house. Early in the morning, servant goes out to get some water, you know, rubbing his eyes, trying to get the bucket, and walks out, and all of a sudden, I don't know how they got there, but there's probably thousands, there's an entire army, a military presence physically around them in the hills. Bucket dropped, servant runs back into the house, tells Elisha, Elisha's like, oh, Lord, frustrated. Praise to the Lord, Lord shows him. He says, open his eyes, looks up, and he can see an entire host around him. Has no idea what's going on. He looks up and there's just angels everywhere. We have angels everywhere. We don't see it. We don't, we, right? we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the principalities. There's things happening above us. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those that fear him and delivers them. There's incredible freedom in that. Taste and see, it says. That's absorb it, bring it in, know it. So here is David at his low point and he's being delivered from fear. He's writing out these things. I, I counseled a man a number of years ago. Gosh, it's probably been 12 years now. He's having trouble in his marriage. He's a good man. He worked with um, sprinkler pipes, big hands, strong guy, um, real, real rough, but good man, loved the Lord. But he called me, I had met with him a couple of times, and he wanted me to give him permission to leave his wife. And I could not do that. That's, that I just couldn't do it. And so he's giving me every excuse, and you don't understand what it's like to live with this person, and on and on and on. And he's right, I don't, I didn't. And I finally said to him, you know, you need to apply joy into your life. And there's a wonderful children's song. And what I'd like you to do, if you haven't heard it, I'll sing it to you. But I'd like you to do is, I would like you to, when you're dealing with this, when you're struggling with this, I want you to sing this song. Whether you sing it to yourself quietly, or if you're driving in your truck alone, sing it out loud. And I guarantee you, you cannot be angry singing this song. And you're wondering, I know you're all wondering and trying to guess what that song is. Um, it's very simple. 
and you know it, it's, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. Well, this man, if he could have reached through the phone and wrung my neck, he would have. <laughs> he would have at least slapped me. But he hung up on, he literally hung up on me. He was so mad. He was like, you are no help. But he sent me a card months later. I don't remember exactly when. But he said, you know, I never, never thought I'd see a grown man of my stature driving down the road singing aloud, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. It changed his life. He chose to apply that to his life in a difficult time. David is choosing to apply worship in a difficult time. These things can never be said without them coming back, okay? So at the same time, and I, I don't recall what it was, but I'm driving and I'm frustrated with something and dealing with life, right? We, get, we all deal with life. And, and we can have those conversations, and those conversations can spiral us down and down and down, and we convince ourselves of rewriting history. And it could be a simple email, it could be a simple word someone said, and you, instead of confronting it right away, we rewrite this narrative. And I'm doing that in my head. And the Lord's like, knock, knock, knock. And I'm like, leave me alone. I want to be wallowing in my misery here. I don't want to be bothered. He's no, I told you just told that guy to sing. You need to sing. And I can tell you that even with gritted teeth, you can sing that song. <laughs> but that gritted tooth narrative, that gritted tooth chorus eventually becomes a bellowing. And you cannot sing that simple song without smiling or laughing. So when life is hard, you need to praise God whether you feel like it or not. Life was very hard for David. Very hard. I don't know. Maybe there's someone here that knows what this is like. I don't know what it's like to have someone after you trying to kill you. And I don't make light of that. But David was living in a very difficult situation. But he was still promised that he would be the anointed king of Israel one day. And we see a major change. And read ahead, come back next week. You will see a change in David's life when he starts to trust in the Lord with all of his heart and leaning not on his own understanding. And we have these wonderful psalms that David wrote. And we have these wonderful things. Verse 19 of Psalm 34 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or her out of them all. Are we afflicted? Are you here today and you have afflictions? Is there trauma in your life? Are there difficult circumstances that you have trouble comprehending, that you have trouble dealing with? The Lord knows and the Lord cares. And he wants to deliver you out of them. I can't promise you that it's a, a flash of an instant, but I can tell you that in every time, in every circumstance that I have been had difficulty, God has shown up and he has been faithful. And he has handled the situation. And so I need to go back on that going forward in my life. So afterwards, we will have some folks come up and pray. Um, available to pray. If you're dealing with any, I'll be glad to pray with you. If you want to know more about what I do, I don't want to, didn't want to scare anybody, but it is a wonderful ministry, and you all do it whether you know it or not. I just get to get paid for it and have it as a title. But you're there when people have some of their darkest moments. 
And if you have Christ in your heart and you love Jesus, then you can be available to them and just your presence alone will minister to them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you that you choose to love us. Lord, we're not always lovable. Lord, I thank you that we can run to you. I thank you that you're there with open arms. You're not distracted. You're not busy. You care. You care about every person here, every detail of their life. I thank you that there's joy in knowing you. I thank you that you recorded these events in David's life for us to look at. And I thank you, Lord, that we can see an incredible change in David when he turns and starts to recognize and understand who the true and living God is and was when he was a young boy with Goliath. And I pray if there's anyone here today, Lord, that has just an unsurmountable amount of pain, struggle, guilt, strife, whatever, Lord, that you'll just open their heart to let them see that you want to take that from them and that you have incredible plans for them and that you can use that. So be with us now as we worship you. May we go this week in your name, and it's in Jesus we pray. Amen.